Hello and welcome to Don't Tell Me What to Do, the astrology podcast. I'm Lisa Kiss, your host, and I'm also an astrologer, teacher, and conscious business guide. This podcast is named after one of my favorite sayings and expressions to live your life. We're all here to experience life in our own unique ways. So keep listening to explore different views of living life through astrology, business, and personal development as we go through the Zodiac seasons together and with our guests. So hi, Lily. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Did you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Hi, Lisa. So nice to be here. Um, so I'm Lily Markle. I am the founder of Well Adapted Group, which focuses on research and resources to help people make decisions about keeping healthy and maintaining productivity in the spaces where we live, learn, and work. Um, I am a yoga and meditation instructor, Thai massage therapist, as well as a business development wellness and sustainability consultant. So that's a lot all in one. Um, I'm sure we'll go, we'll go deeper, um, but, but I also identify as a mother, a wife. Um, I'm really, really big into family and uh, the creativity and, and business community and the entrepreneurship community as well. I have a son who is two years old who lights up my life. Yes. So yeah, Lily and I, met when I was doing, I think my yoga teacher training around that time. And I think the last like class I took with you, you were pregnant with your son. I remember it was at the, um, the greenhouse. I remember it was a beautiful practice. It was, I think you were doing the moon salutations, not the sun salutations. I feel like you were very much in that like feminine, the feminine <laughs> energy. So good memory. That's all oh, that brings back really good, good energy for me. I was very tuned in despite my son, I had this very kind of aggressive, masculine energy that was starting to bubble up in me at the time. I didn't know the sex, but I had this feeling that it was, it was this strong male energy that I had never in my life experienced before. I've always been more connected to the feminine. So I think maybe that was me trying to counteract a lot of that aggression I was feeling inside. Yeah. I just remember yeah, I, most teachers just do the sun salutation. So it was so different to do the moon salutations in the class, but it was like a good different. Yeah. It's still activating, but in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. It's, I like it because you're not like the sun salutations. You're usually going forward, you know, in the, in this sort of um, sagittal plane, if you will, like you're just going in one direction, whereas in the moon, you get a chance to turn sideways. And that just opens up a whole different rotational um, energy and, and possibility in your body and your spine. So that's why I like it. Yeah. So do you want to start with our astrology introduction? So I'm good. This is going to go up during Aries season. So um, I did like four interviews last year for Aries season. I somehow know a lot of Aries. But um, have you ever, like, have you connected to anything that you've read about being an Aries, just like either in like a horoscope or what you know about the Zodiac? Um, without sounding, you know, cliche or stereotypical or archetypal, I guess, I, I definitely would connect with the sort of strong headed nature, the fiery aspect 
um, when it comes to the, I don't like the word stubbornness that people always talk about Aries being stubborn and driven. And um, there's that masculine energy, I feel like, but I think it's more so a sense of this, uh, this idea of free will and willpower and discipline. I definitely relate to um, as far as the Aries connection. Okay. Have you ever identified with, with the term leader a lot or like you want to be the one who's like in charge or like leading the group? Yes. Yes. I always say like, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. I mean, that's, that's kind of something in the, in business books and leadership zeitgeist. And I am definitely one of those people. Like I have my, my calendar is stacked to the minute sometimes. Um, and, and I thrive that way, honestly, like if, if I know something is going to get done more efficiently or just effectively, then I'll just take it on myself. And I do, I have always, ever since I was a little kid, um, directed people, whether it was at play, I have two siblings and I'm right in the middle. So I would always direct them in, here's what we're going to play. You're going to use this toy and you're going to be this person. And here's what we'll enact. Um, and even to this day, I, I really connect with, um, with entrepreneurs for that reason. And I, and I love to lead discussions and, and drive conversations and, I think a lot of the work I do now is project management based, whether it's in marketing or sustainability or um, mindfulness, a lot of it is, is just project management and sort of bringing ideas and resources and people together, you know, for one goal and goal setting is my favorite thing in the world. I will do it like almost every day if I had the time. So I don't know if that applies to, to leadership, I'm sure. I'm sure it does and, and the Aries um, energy, but definitely this sort of visionary, um, there's definitely a lot going on in the mind. <laughs> I lead with the brain for sure. Yeah, something that's cool about your chart. So you're a Libra rising, which is like the opposite of Aries. And it just means like your chart is like flipped. So um, wow. like, so all of, so you start at Libra instead of Aries. So it's like, like backwards in a way. So it's, all of your like um points if you see where it says like mcic mm -hmm. um they're all in the cardinal signs so it's like all four corners of your chart are like the leadership signs so that's why i asked the question about the leader but it's like aries will lead in one way but i feel like your libra rising on the other end will lead in like another way that has to do more with like people and cooperation and that connecting and like asking people like how are you? Are you okay? Is there a way to find balance here? Um, have you read anything about Libras or know anything about that zodiac sign? Um, very little compared to Aries, because I think a lot of people mostly identify with the sun sign, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I do recognize that aspect of balance and harmony, right? I, I think I, I would relate to that 100%. I'm very um, an emotional person internally, not as much as an ex extrovert, um, but I can I can sense when there's a disrupt in in the balance of um, a group setting or even you know in one-on-one -on -one intimate relationships. I'm very sensitive and picking up on how people feel. Mm -hmm. It's it's sometimes devastatingly annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
Um, as a leader, I think to be, to have that sort of insight and compassion for other people as you're bringing them together. Yeah. Has anyone ever used the term peacekeeper with you before? Hmm. Possibly. Okay. Doesn't ring like come to mind immediately, but I'm pr yeah, pretty sure that I've heard that before. Yeah. The Aries Libra balance. It's like almost like making sure you take care of like your own needs, but then also helping others, but like filling your own cup first, but it's like that ever going balance. So that's like your main, like big theme there with your sun and rising. And they're like almost exactly opposite too. So it's like, you're, I don't, I feel like it's almost, it's almost like a gift that you have to see the both sides, which is even so Libra, but <laughs> That's so interesting. I definitely relate to that constantly seeking balance mm -hmm. as a healer, as a leader, as a mother. Yeah. Yeah. And then something like my mom is a Libra rising too. And I know, you know, my mom, she's come to all the yoga stuff with me. So um, when I like read her chart for the first time, so like you have cancer midheaven. So when you, that's like how like the world sees you in terms of like your public image and you just said healer. So like cancer midheaven, it's like your role is to be like the healer or the nurturer and to help people, but it's also like, you're meant to be like a mom. So when I told my mom that she was just like, oh my gosh, but like, it's like, you're almost meant to be like either like an actual mom to someone or like just nurture with the work that you do and like you do both. So, um, that's there. Yeah. And it's like you have Jupiter there too in Cancer. And it's almost like it like expands your energy to be the nurturing role. Mm. Jupiter is a powerful one. I know from Kundalini meditation studies that that is one of the most sort of activating yeah. you know, planets to focus on. And it's um, associated with, I think the, the first finger, which is also you know next to the thumb, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. cool. I didn't know that I had any cancer in, uh, in my chart. Yeah. Jupiter, I call it like the joy planet. Like it's like when you tap into your Jupiter, it's like, well, things will bring you joy. So for you, it's like anything Cancerian related. So like nurturing, like compassion, yes. empathy. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I was just telling my husband the other day I was giving, I gave a Thai massage and I came home and I said, Oh, I just feel like myself, you know, after, after touching another body and talking about healing bodies, I felt this lightness, this lightheartedness, this connection to my joy. So it's so that makes total sense now. And I never would have thought of it that way before. I always thought, oh, well, I, I just have this interest in learning about the body, but it's more than just, you know, what's in the brain. It's, it's mm -hmm. what's in the heart too. Yeah. And it's what's in the chart too. <laughs> what's in the heart is in the chart. Yeah. And, and that's a water sign. That's really good for me to know because I've always kind of thought like, oh, I'm all fire, fire and air. You, yeah, you're big. Yeah. You have one, two, yeah, you have two air, two fire, but you have four planets in earth and then mm -hmm. two in water. So it's, um, this like energy down here at the bottom and Capricorn, it's like generational. Those are like the outer planets that move like slower. So anyone who's born in the late eighties, early nineties, like I've seen people have like six planets there. Um, and it's, so it's that like hardworking energy where, um, it's just very career driven in a way, but for you, you have like your Saturn and Capricorn, it, but it's in the fourth house of home and family. So it's almost like you want to be successful, but also 
either in a way to support your family or like family is still the number one and then work comes second. But it's like the um, the Capricorn Cancer balance is like work and uh, and home and family. Like again, finding that, I'll say the word balance again, but yeah. It's a theme, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it's very fitting because we are planning a, a move from Hamilton to North Carolina. My family is moving to the South, Southern States, um, to, to find more of that, of that kind of quality of life within our family unit. Because right now I just, both my husband and I are working extremely hard and my son's in, in daycare almost full time. And so we, we're sort of reimagining, you know, the life we want to lead and, and show to our son and demonstrate to our young son and be home with him more and, and have more flexibility in the remote work or the sort of freelance creative um, also while having a stable job at the same time um, so that moving into a a place where we can have some land and eventually farm on it will connect us to our roots a little bit more Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's a big move for us in terms of balancing this like hard work I feel like Hamilton is a very hard-working city and it's and that's the the habit we we found ourselves in right this constant cycle of of heart working hard coming home exhausted not really seeing our young son so what are we working hard for kind of thing so yeah it's something's got to give in that balancing act right I didn't know you were moving to did you say North or South Carolina North Carolina yeah very exciting I we, I haven't spent much time there but my husband has he um has a big network there and, and actually the city where we're moving Winston-Salem has a, a massive artistic and innovation community so he has um as a performing art artist and a teaching artist he has so many more opportunities whereas in Canada you know we haven't really opened up again you know since the pandemic so it's it's definitely time to uh to make some change and, and I'm excited about about change I think I don't know if that's in my chart anywhere this this need to shift or create new challenges or new opportunities or seeking adventure but that's something I've been I think a lot of people have been craving too to be honest yeah I know with you like now just knowing where you were born and then I know you were in New York but like you grew up in Ontario right and you went to university in Southern Ontario, but it's almost like, and now you move, it's almost like, I think I've even read this on your website or on Instagram, like citizen of the globe or something. Yeah. So I was, I was like looking at this seeing like, okay, where's this like, um, cause normally people who like to travel or kind of like, just like to explore the world, it normally comes up in the ninth house and that's like where you have Jupiter, which, mm-hmm. so it's that it has that Cancerian energy, but it's also like travel and like, um, the ninth house is normally ruled by like Jupiter because it's a Sagittarius house. So it's like Jupiter's in its like home spot there. So that might be where it comes from this need to just explore everywhere and everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how that brings joy and, and how you can sort of feel at home even while traveling. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. You also have this, this energy right here. It's an Aquarius stellium. So you have your North Node in Aquarius and Venus and Mars. 
So Aquarians just do things differently, like their own way. So you're not going to follow anyone's direction. So I feel like that might tie into it as well. Totally. Yeah. And I, I definitely prefer to, um, to take guidance and leadership from myself than from anyone else. Right. <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with it too. Yeah. And you said like buy land and farm it. And that's just a very Aquarian thing. I don't know if you've seen anything about that. Like, cause we are in the age of Aquarius and it's like, if you said something like if people in your circle aren't talking about, you know, buying property or like, you know, create like starting to grow their own food and going back to like the roots of things. It's like that those are the kinds of people you need to like kind of surround yourself with as the world is evolving and changing right now collectively. I agree a hundred percent. And that's definitely who I'm drawn to right now is, you know, people who are, are working on becoming a little bit more sustainable and, and mindful. And even just seeing someone in the grocery store using a plastic bag, I want to just step as far away from them as possible. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I relate to that. Do you want to, cause you just mentioned that, do you want to explain more of what you do with, um, well adapted your company and how you help people with um mindfulness and sustainability like I follow I think it I follow it on Instagram and I I, I feel like I kind of know what you do but I feel like you do so much more than I even know so yeah and to be honest I haven't been super active on that account lately um so yes I will I'm happy to explain more um because I'm starting to shift a lot of my work in that direction so with well adapted group the idea with founding it, which was a, it started actually as a project during my um, pregnancy and then subsequent maternity leave. Um, so one of my goals on mat leave, which is I think probably super Aries to have a goal while on maternity leave other than raising a thriving child is, was to become a certified well accredited professional, which basically means that I'm capable, I have the skill set, the know-how, um, to be able to consult on wellness, human health, basically in the built environment. So there's a lot of, when you're looking at buildings, for example, and construction and real estate, the real estate industry touches everything. And wellness real estate is becoming a, a booming industry now with so much new investment being poured into it and technology that kind of facilitates the ability to um, decarbonize. You know, everyone's kind of sort of moving towards a, a net zero or at least a net neutral sustainability strategy. Um, so when you think about well or the well certification, which is governed by the International um, Well Building Institute, they certify us as well APs to consult on projects that look at human health. So air quality, water quality, access to light, um, ergonomics, so coming in and looking at, you know, desk setup and workstations, optimizing productivity, um, uh, so many things like access to um, biophilia, which is bringing the outdoors in, inside, and, and what that does to your focus and creativity and collaboration. Of course, access to mindfulness and fitness and, you know, those opportunities. So this is sort of a new um, layer of building certification that that is accessible now and measurable, which is very exciting. So there's a lot of science behind it, but there's also a lot of programming and intuitive programming that goes into a building. So if you're looking at an office building or a school, 
Um, what's really uh, what's really heavy right now in, in this movement is air purifiers, of course, because of COVID, right? When you're looking at viruses, they're, they're engineering all kinds of air purifiers to pull the viral you know, bodies out of the air. And, um, and a lot of these units are carbon neutral, so they run on you know, sustainable energy and, and all that good stuff. Um, but what my interest is in, in all of that, while it's really interesting to sort of go into the, um, the biology of you know, mold and microbes and, and stuff like that, my background, as you know, is in wellness, is in mindfulness, is in you know, fitness and movement. Um, but I also, uh, I think sustainability as a whole is a mindset. And when you're thinking about your comfort levels at home or your convenience levels, um, I was telling you uh, a little bit earlier about the, the prop tech company, Alfred, that I work for, where their, their main mission is to, uh, to give time back to people so that they can focus on what they want to do well or what matters the most to them. Um, so whether it means automating a couple things in your day-to-day, -day, so if you're using an app on your phone to order your groceries, to you know bring your car, your shared car service, which is a lot more sustainable than owning a car, um, to your rental home, which is a lot more sustainable than owning a home, um, to your you know co-working space which is you know can be a lot more sustainable when it comes to um you know where you work and and how that how that changes the way you think and collaborate versus when you're just sort of isolated working from home um so i'm thinking about these conversations and how spaces operate basically so if i could put it into one sentence my mission would be to redefine or reshape how these healthy spaces operate. It could even be a yoga studio, right? Like the design of the space. Is it inviting? Does it invite conversation before the class starts? Or are you just literally going in to get your sweat on and getting out? Because that's kind of defeats the purpose of a sangha, right? The community aspect of yoga and um I could go, yeah, I could go on and on and on about, you know, sustainable design and, and design thinking. That's a whole other aspect and, and human-centered design. Um, but some of the, the cool projects I'm working on, I'll just sort of share it in a nutshell. One of the ones I'm really excited about is this eco-hospitality um, eco solution called Ashna Living. So we actually just launched our crowdfunding platform, crowdfunding campaign on Republic. Um, so the, the premise is by eco, eco hospitality, I mean short-term furnished rentals. So I mentioned that renting was a little bit more sustainable than owning a home simply because you can pool a lot of the, um, the resources and the utilities, for example, like the water, the heating, the cooling, even the food and eliminating food waste. So when you sort of get back to that um, communal style of living and sharing and co-living and coexisting, you you can sort of decarbonize a little bit. Um, so all of these short-term uh, rentals are going to be 100% sustainably built. So with non-toxic and net neutral building materials, which is huge. 
Um, we're using technology for the construction as well. So using 3D printing and other, you know, contech construction technology to accelerate the construction of these units. They're really cute. Um, I'll share some info so that people can kind of check it out and, um, and see these units. And there's a lot of communal spaces as well, like a wellness room, a communal kitchen, a communal garden where we'll get like chef uh, farm to table meals, you know, as a community every week. And of course there's wellness programming and an, a whole social component layered into that. Um, so that will be, as I said, the crowdfunding um, campaign as well as the social club is live now. And then the actual units are gonna start to break ground later on this year, toward the end of this year in Asheville, North Carolina. So another good reason to, to go towards um, those, the Blue, Mount, Blue Ridge Mountains. It's a beautiful place. Um, all of the communities are, are gonna be situated close to um, nature, some of nature's most beautiful gifts like mountains or lakes or rivers or um, oceans. So yeah, very excited about that project. And of course, you know, doing any, any kind of workplace wellness consulting for businesses, small, large, and everything in between. So, and just, yeah, sharing those, those habits, really, it's, it's about creating habits that are sustainable and not only support us in our longevity and vitality, but support, you know, the earth that gives us so much too. Wow. I didn't know that you went like, I didn't know it was that complex what you did with the, like, yeah, even to think about creating like a sustainable space, everything, like the little details that go into that to make it like, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's not enough to just um, put a plant in a room. <laughs> like there's, when it comes to biophilia, this is, um, there's a term called rewild, re rewilding, which means you, you've probably heard it. Um, it basically means bringing more aspects of nature rather than just plant life into the way we live and interact and, and design spaces. So using architecture, that incorporates spirals as opposed to, you know, just like straight, you know, square 90 degree angles, bricks, which is not conducive to creativity or collaboration. So when, when the eye, there's been studies, you know, when the eye sees these natural shapes like that sort of, um, you know, what's the word, the divine geometry of life, right? Um, when the mind sees that it's, it's, it's closer to home, right? So it were our baseline levels of our nervous system is reset. Um, it, it brings us more, uh, more contentment and satisfaction and, and it literally makes us healthier, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> said, like the amount of light, like a home is getting like that especially right now because it's like winter I mean um like this like this side over here the sun I see the sunrise in like the east and then it will set but I never see the sunset and I, I feel like I it's always like I follow it through like my bathroom window and I'll stand in my bathroom with the sun like on my face because it's left this part but I feel like like I don't think when my building was designed they had all this in mind but it was built in like, the 70s so I mean um, that but, makes total sense. Yeah, your body craves that. And the sunset is a different feeling, the different yeah. kind of sun than a sunrise, right? 
yeah it's more it's a like bit warmer it's like more calming and like war yeah warmer the sunrise is a little more like wake up like it's yeah it's time to get ready for the day so yeah totally and like it's good that you have your um window at the side because that reduces the amount of glare on your screen so a lot of the design has to do with balancing glare in the workplace too so like even the um the angle of your screen like we'll have er ergonomics you know assess assessment experts come in and look at you know the angle of your screen and the angle of the the window and how much light is being refracted from your screen and how that attributes to to mental fatigue and eye fatigue too so it's yeah there's a lot of cool technology that's being developed now as far as like automatic shading of your of your windows so if you have like some people in not you know big office towers of course have floor to ceiling windows and sometimes that's too much light so for us canadians we're like give me all the light but if you're in a space that has too much light it actually makes your eyes more tired and make, then makes you less productive so if that like high sun peak of the day you can your your windows can sense the uh, threshold of light that that is pre-programmed they'll automatically shade themselves and and give you the, like the optimal amount of light which is a little bit more expensive than most of us can provide but hopefully you know now that more people are starting to incorporate these techniques into into new construction anyway mm -hmm. um they'll become more accessible that's my hope and and at least you know sharing the, the knowledge that it's out there will also improve accessibility yeah, because I work from home during the day, like with my nine to five and my eyes about halfway through the day get fatigued and I can like I've always had 2020 vision, but there's just something from staring at the screen. So now I'm like, so I'm going to have to watch the angle of my screen and like the light and everything to see if that's affecting it. Yeah, yeah. And then the blue, I always have my blue light blockers. You I have have those. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of sometimes they they like get cloudy or blurry sometimes because the lenses can be quite thick but mm -hmm. I do notice a huge difference in the eye fatigue mm -hmm. when I wear them I've been wearing them more and more I didn't want to put them on for the podcast but when I'm working I have them on like all the time and it's so weird for me I feel like it's a different persona I have with the glasses but it's like <laughs> there it's needed now with like the just I feel like I'm staring at a screen all day so, Same. yeah yeah I agree and my my vision has just plummeted because of all the screen time. So I think, well, if, if I can offer any kind of support on that, um, biggest thing I'm sure you've heard is like the eye exercises, try to take those breaks after at least 30 minutes, you know, take a, a 30 second break and just kind of roll your eyes all the way around, like and stretch them, literally stretch those muscles inside your eyes. And that should help you know, keep your eye, your vision levels, you know, as good as, as they once were. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And just like, yeah, changing up the depth perception too. So like staring far, far off in the distance and then staring up close to your, like your finger and just changing. It's almost like going to the gym for your eyeballs. <laughs> okay. I don't do that. Okay. I'm going to have to start doing that this week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's good. You work from home because if you look silly, then it doesn't matter. No yeah. one's yeah, even just like looking over there, like helped from not staring on the screen. Yeah, and sometimes it kind of hurts and then you know, oh, it's been too long. If it hurts to stretch my eyes, then yeah. I need to do it more. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a new, like extra mindfulness layer, like mindful of the, the eyes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And for me, my wrists too, my poor wrists, I, I definitely think I've developed some kind of carpal tunnel strain from, you know, all of the typing combined with lifting a, you know, 30 plus pound toddler all the time. Um, so I do some pretty creepy looking wrist exercises uh, throughout the day as well. Cause if I don't, I'll just be in constant chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So yeah. one of, one of them, if I can demonstrate to you now, I don't care if you, you share it or, or not, but it's pretty cool as a yoga teacher, especially if you're doing any like work on your hands, like handstands or even arm balances or just tabletop. Um, it connects you to your hands so much better. So you can like grab hold of the lower part of your or the upper part of your wrist, the lower part of your hand, grab it and pull down as if you're kind of stretching the skin. And then while stretching, try to curl your hand into a fist one finger at a time. Okay. You can almost feel, you can feel the fascia stretching yeah. under the skin. That's why I say creepy because it just feels like you're affecting something beneath this layer of the skin. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, of course, like rolling the wrists and all that good stuff and, and kneading out the forearms. I'll just like put my, go down on my knees, on my hands and knees, and then put my knee into my forearm on the ground and like literally just squeeze it so hard to get that blood flowing into the wrists and hands is so therapeutic. Okay. Okay. There I'll, you go. Have, I'll try that too. Yeah. That one, that's really cool. This one where like, yeah, you can feel the, like the, wow. Okay. When I learned about fascia and my yoga teacher training, my mind was blown because they don't, you just think you have bones and muscle, but there's this like magical thing that like is this like protective layer almost. And it needs to be everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It needs to be nurtured. Yeah. Because when it's not healthy, it like adheres to your muscles. And that is when you're in trouble because it's going to be that much harder to move it and to lubricate it and to stretch it. And if it, there are parts of the fascia that will adhere to the spinal column too. And if you don't have good spinal mobility, as you know, you don't have good health. Your spine really is the, you know, the library of your physical health anyway. Yeah. Cause throughout my whole life, just like growing up dance and then with yoga, I will find myself like probably overextending movements, but like getting those stretches in and like holding them and it almost feels so good. And it's probably that moving. Mm -hmm. Do you find like when you do um, time massage, do you really get into the, the fascia there as well? Yeah, I would say more so more deeply than a traditional, like, mm -hmm like RMT, you know, Swedish massage or something like that. Like we will use the thumbs to go sort of almost under and to like pull the fascia and of course, different like squeezing techniques. And you'll, I think the funny sort of vision, if you've never had a Thai massage and you think about, you know, what happens in Thailand are these, <laughs> these very tiny Thai people just like stepping on you and <laughs> And there's a point to that is like, of course you're using, you know, whether you're using long poles or if you're using bars from the ceiling or literally like bamboo sticks, you're, you're shifting your body weight to, to pour weight and to compress the fascia and that release of compression 
floods in circulation and blood flow and synovial fluid flow. So that's kind of one of the main techniques that's applied in, in Thai massage that you don't get as much of in the traditional massage, which is more just like the sweeping um, superficial level. But I think with Thai massage, we affect the deeper tissues for sure. And of course you get into the organ bodies, right? If you, you learn, you learn about fascia, often you'll learn about, you know, the organs underneath because they're encasing the organs. So yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fascia work, but it's also a lot of energy work. I would say that's another big difference because you're working with um, almost a little bit of craniosacral stuff. So you're working with the cerebrospinal fluid and affecting the movement, um, those like tiny movements inside the body. Because there's always movement, right? When you breathe, there's movement. The fluid is moving, even though we don't notice it. Um, your brain is all is constantly oscillating, right? If you've spoken to an osteopath, that's what they'll they'll tell you that about those tiny kind of repetitive movements. So a lot of Thai can be quite dynamic, and and that's why it's known as the um, the dance or the art of touch or the dance of the body because we'll we'll move you and manipulate you into different positions like flip you onto your belly and then onto your side and then flip you onto my body and sort of rock you like a baby and and it's it's really fun <laughs> have you ever had one no I haven't but I feel like I need to get one now yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Get moving. it's a good reset honestly to um and it opens up your yoga practice too like it, it definitely just it opens your body it opens the um, the energy in your body too. If there are blockages, you may not notice that in your yoga practice, if you're just sort of breathing, breathing and moving, because a lot of Thai massage can also be, you know, just still and holding and feeling those blockages of energy and, and letting it release itself. Sometimes the body just needs to be held. Right? Yeah. I don't know if it's from like working, but like, I'll just stretch my chest and my chest pops all the time now. It's like more of a frequent thing. And I'm just like, oh, it's like the op the heart openers I need to do more of. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's so. just, yeah, the air moving in, yeah. in there because it's been so compressed. Mm -hmm. I get that all the time and it feels so good, right? That's Such a release. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also probably from, from dance. I think um, a lot of dancers have hypermobile joints or a lot of extra space between their joints, um, including in the spine and around the rib cage from that overextension, right? Instead of perfect alignment, we were always taught of like to present beautifully, which is not perfect alignment, right? Mm -hmm. It's not anatomical alignment, it's dance alignment, which is different. And it, it definitely, I think I developed scoliosis as a result of all those years of ballet and yeah, I have, I have scoliosis as well. Like my mom does too. So I think it's potentially genetic, but it, I, yeah, it could be from dance, but my collarbones crack even too a lot. I don't know where that's from, but just everything cracks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also dry the season, right? It's the season of Vata. It's very like the cold, windy, mm -hmm. dry season. So that's, that's normal too. I'm always like the best thing you can do for your joints is to constantly move them. Like those re small repetitive mo motions. I just cracked just now. Um, it's just, it's so good for lubricating. I remember one of my anatomy teachers, I was in an anatomy training and I cracked my knuckles and 
he just like the whole class stopped. He just looked at me with this deadly face, like, like he was going to just rip off my head and send me out of the classroom and said, if you must do that, get out of my class. And if you must do that, instead, just move your joints. So if you have an urge to crack, it's actually not good for your joints to do it, even though it feels good, because what you're doing is adding more air. That popping sound is air moving in, in between. And what your joints really need is lubrication. Mm -hmm. It's more space and they can create more space by move, the movement creating lubrication, right? The synovial fluid entering those joints and then they can feel that release again. So maybe instead of popping, you could just do a couple like yeah. circles, like rib rolls, <laughs> shoulder <Pop>. rolls. <laughs> Sometimes you can't help it. Yeah, but it, it needed the few shoulder rolls back, but. Yeah, yeah. it does. And, feel yeah. And breathing too can help lubricate, yeah. right? So deep, you know, chest breathing can be really good. For yeah. Anyone listening to this, just like, just, just wherever you're sitting start just like moving the body to lubricate the joints <laughs> yeah like a, like you're a piece of seaweed underwater like yeah. just, just mm -hmm. moving it doesn't have to be big it can be very small yeah it's all about lubrication <laughs> <laughs> okay did you want to i sometimes end the podcast with like advice from an insert zodiac sign here so do you want to just say like a last message advice from an aries about literally anything about that's connected to your work or not just like advice from an Aries yes okay um I would say if I were to share one maybe two pieces if I may um habits creating good habits a hundred percent ground me even if you wake up and you feel like shit and you think you're going to have a bad day or you're going through something that's challenging and you know it's going to be a bad or a hard day shouldn't say bad day a hard day you're le by leaning into your habits and or rituals or you know whatever you you call them there you're automatically going to set yourself up for a better day than you would have otherwise so for example um, and especially if you have a very busy and active mind, and um, if you have a lot of projects going on at once, like us Aries, mm -hmm. I would say ground yourself in maybe three solid rituals or activities that you start with first thing in the morning, and you do not stray from no matter whether you're on vacation or visiting family or whatever, or whether your child is sick, um, try to do, you know, three small things. So for me, um, I, I have a pretty long list in my, um, my Ayurvedic uh, teacher gave me, it's a sadhana, but I don't do it all every day. Some of it's very intense and involves like, you know, the tongue scraping, the body scrubbing, the oil rubbing, you don't need to do all that every day. So starting with um, meditation, some kind of movement um, and some kind of uh, inspiration. For me, connecting to that inspiration I'll say someone along my teaching lineage said this to me and I, it's kind of stuck with me is that your consciousness can ch literally change your DNA. So when you think, when you're thinking in that negative spiral, it can change the way you're made up and the way you, you present yourself and your energy of the world. 
Um, so that long lasting change in order for it to happen and be affected, it can't come from your brain. You can't always lead from your brain. It has to come from the heart and the inspiration is what's gonna drive that change from the heart, right? So um, whether it's like, I'll read, you read a section of your favorite book, you know, motivational book or spiritual text every day or at least once a week, or maybe listen to, you know, an audio book or a podcast or even music. For a while, I had like this anthem, this Lady Gaga anthem getting me through this one part of my life. And, and it changed the way I showed up for the day. Um, yeah, I love music and mantra. Mantra is super powerful for grounding me and, and setting me up for good habits, no matter how your day is going to go. Because sitting, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you don't want to, sitting in discomfort is still sitting with it, right? We know this from meditation. You're, um, you're getting those signals to your body, to your DNA, and sort of, you know, reshaping yourself by by that dedication and commitment. So yeah, stick with it. Don't waver, stay disciplined um, and take good, take good care of yourself, right? It's all about that, that good balance. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram or by leaving a rating or review. It would also mean the world to me if you subscribe to this podcast, if you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to support the podcast and continue to discover the don't tell me what to do vibration, there are three different ways you can keep listening to these podcast episodes that I put out weekly. You can also purchase the subscription version of the podcast, which is new for exclusive episodes, or you can purchase my book, which has the exact same name as this podcast. So with so much love and gratitude, see you very, very soon in the next episode.